0: Hello, I'm Pastor Megan. I'm really glad to be bringing to you um, a, a message from Psalm 139. Before I get going, I have to tell you about this dream that I had yesterday that woke me right up. I dreamed that Larry and myself and my sister had taken my little boy Reed and his really good friend Henry to Disney World. And I, Disney World, not Disneyland, I'm from the South. We can work out the merits of those two later, but Disney World's better. So we went to Disney World and we were waiting in line at the Star Wars display to get pictures with the Ewoks and the line was super long. So my sister left and went to Toontown with her friend and Larry and I were deciding what to do and we looked around and we had lost Reed. And then we looked around a little bit more, and we'd also lost Henry. And then I went into full-on panic, and I grabbed a random woman near me and tried to describe to her who Reed and Henry were, but she only speaks German. And so I couldn't get anything across, and it was awful, and I woke up, and it like— major, major panic zone. I know, thank you. I actually heard a story when my family told me last night they lost their kids at Disney World and it turns out it really does incite that kind of panic. It wasn't a realistic dream for me because I would never take a two and a three year old to Disney World no matter what our kid adult ratio was, but it happened nonetheless. So I wake up in a cold sweat and I think that this only happens to pastors. But the first thought that I had was about Psalm 139. (laughs) Because I was thinking about how uh, God is our father and he would never lose kids at Disney World. (laughs) It's it's not possible for him to lose track of us. So it was a really great comforting thing to me. Uh, we who follow Jesus call God our Father because we believe that His Son Jesus has brought us into a family relationship with Him, where He chose us and adopted us into His family. And we've been looking at a Psalm, Psalm one thirty nine. It's actually a song that was written by David for the whole congregation to sing, and it was a song about who. God is and who this good father is. And we looked at, two weeks ago, we looked from Pastor Mark at how our good Father knows us really intimately, and how that knowledge extends even to our thoughts, which is why we can pray silently, because we believe that before a word is on our tongue, God knows it completely, and he knows all our internal dialogue, He knows all our motivations. And still, David says, he lays his hand upon us. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. And then last week we looked at how this good father of ours is never away from our presence. He is always with us. And Pastor Jeremy asked us to consider how we feel about that. How do you feel about having a father who knows everything about you and who can never leave you? And today we're looking at how our good father is all powerful. He's all powerful, and he's all powerful, not just in some abstract sense, but he's all powerful as it regards your own life. David uses in this psalm all the language of I and me. This is, a, this is about me, and so what I want you to do to start is I want you to either get a pen and write it down in your bulletin or pull out your phone and open up a new note, and I write, want you to write down one word I want you to write down the word me, me. Because as you listen to to this word from God, as you listen to this sermon, I want you to hear how God has written this for you. His power, I want you to consider, is God's power true in your life? It's about you. So let's read Psalm 139. And I'm going to start with verse 13. I'm going to read this a little differently than I normally would. I'm going to read one phrase at a time, and then I'm going to pause. And in that pause, I want to invite you to silently pray that phrase as your own prayer to God. Okay? Let's make this um, this song our own. This is the word of the Lord. For you formed my inward parts— You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Amen. This is God's word, it is true, and it is given to us in love. Let me pray. Holy Father, would you speak to us your word anew that we might believe and know that this is how you speak to us, in Jesus' name. Amen. So it really struck me that when David sat down to write a song of praise to who God was, that he wrote it really, really personally. He gave us permission to praise God, the all-knowing God, the ever-present God, the all-powerful God in our own words. He gave us the words to say, you know me. Where can I go from your presence? You formed me. Maybe it's just me, but when I praise God for those kinds of things, I tend to praise God for things that are happening outside of me. As far as being all-knowing, I'll praise God that he knows what's going on in Turkey and he has it all under control. When it comes to God being ever-present, thank you, God, that you are with Paul and Diana as they move from the hospital to home. When I pray, praise God for being all-powerful, it's thank you, God, that you have the ability to heal Ruthann. When I pray, it's a, it's a praise outside of myself. But David wants us to pay attention to how powerful God is, how real his attributes are to me. So when he prays, he gives us words to practice, to learn, to tell God how awesome he is to you and to me. It's like he draws this tiny little perimeter around himself and says, God, this is who you are right here. Praising God, by the way, it's not a Crazy way to satisfy an egotistical God. When we have healthy relationships, we praise them. I tell Larry all the time how much I love him. I tell Tina Picard, who's our administrative assistant, on a regular basis how grateful I am that she put in her application because I would get so much less work done without her. I tell her all the time what a great worker she is and how glad I am she's on my team. When you have a healthy relationship with God, you tell Him just how awesome you think He is about everything, all the time. But it's not. I was I was embarrassed as I was learning to praise God in this Psalm that that is not a significant part of my prayer life. How God impacts me right here and now, and so I wonder: does does praise? Does praising God for how he interacts with you. Is that a significant part of your prayer life? Because David is gonna give you words to practice and words to pray to give God praise. So we're gonna dig back into Psalm 139. The verse right before today's verse was in the middle of uh, David praising God for being ever present, that he can't get away from him. And he talked about how the darkness is not dark to him. And he transitions from that darkness to praising God for the first dark place where God met David. And where was that? Actually, want an answer. In the womb. In the womb. The first place that God met David was in the darkness of his mother's womb. God's power was displayed even there. He says, God, you formed my inward parts. Literally, he says, God, you formed my kidneys. Who who makes a practice of praising God for their kidneys? I had a couple doctors in the house who definitely believe understand the value of the kidney. The Hebrews believed that the kidneys were the center of the, of the person, of the emotions. And it's true. Everything gets processed through the kidneys. So David starts by metaphorically understanding, God, I praise you because you formed me from the inside out. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Who likes watching things like Planet Earth? Yeah, me too. Um, I love watching these documentaries; they, they blow my mind for how God has has made the world. Uh, something similar to that is one that's on Netflix called "The Nine Months That Made You." I started to watch it when I was pregnant, but I didn't make it very far because what it does is it um, it goes week by week how an embryo forms in the womb. And it flashes from that one image, which is crazy. Our technology is insane. Like watching this embryo form in the womb to jumping to what a grown human being looks like if anything goes wrong in that moment of being formed. So as a, as a pregnant mama, it made me pretty paranoid <laughs> and made me realize just how much is outside of my control. When God is forming an embryo, In the darkness of a womb. Even he is there, and his power is first displayed there. And I think the first thing that God has given me to say to you today is that if you are someone who struggles with a physical abnormality, a biological abnormality, what I want you to hear is that God was present there in the darkness, in that moment where that gene did something differently in you. His power was even there with you. However um, far developed we are in the womb, every moment of life in the womb is precious to God. He's right there, and even little embryos do not escape the power and the presence of God. He is there. So David is reflecting on that, and he has to stop. And pause and just burst into praise. So he says, I praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I don't know about you, but when I want to praise God for his wonderful works, I have a lot to choose from. We are very blessed in the Pacific Northwest. Can I get an amen? This week in the San Juan Islands, we were um, we were going around and our friend kept telling us, oh, well, Mount Baker is right there. And if you could just imagine, we come around this corner and there's all the Olympics on full display. We couldn't see them all because of the smoke. But there was already enough to capture the wonder of who God is. Look, Lord, you made the water and the currents and the seals and the berries and the islands and whoa, wonderful are your works. But David here wants us to recognize that we are the wonderful work. I think we are so quick to catalog our insecurities and our faults before God that we we haven't paused to say, oh my gosh, it's amazing that I'm alive. It's incredible that I'm breathing. It is wonderful that you made me. And this is an invitation to acknowledge to God your power is awesome. I love that you made me. David says, My soul knows this very well, exceedingly well. You should, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, there should be a red flag that goes up over that word know because that word echoes throughout this entire psalm. Normally it's how God knows us. But here it's how my soul knows intimately, deeply the wonder of the power of God at work in my life. Your father loves you. He loves you. And he he invites you to to wonder and to praise at the power of him displayed in your very existence. So I want to ask you to, to please, especially young people that are in the room, please, please believe the value that God has in your life. Please grab hold of the wonder that God has made you very intentionally. His hand is on you. And treat your body and your soul for the wonder that it is to be made by a holy God who loves you. Treasure, wonder at how valuable you are to God. I want you to think of um, some of the most valuable things that you own. What are the things that have made every move with you? That you couldn't imagine losing. One of my dad's most valuable treasures is this cup. I can tell you where it's been in every house we've been in. It's just a tin can. But why do you think my dad values that? Because one of us made it. I can't claim it. I'm sure my sister would fight me for that. One of us made that cup. It's, it's just a tin can, but somebody picked it to be blue blue. Somebody glued on, one of his children glued on that little sheep. We, we moved that cotton ball around and glued it on. We learned the lesson in church that Jesus is the good shepherd. And we wrote it across the top and we gave it to my dad. And so he, he loves that little cup. It's right on his bathroom counter. Wouldn't be anywhere else. It doesn't have value in and of itself. It's kind of irrational that he values it that much. But it has value because of who made it. And those imperfections are probably all the more endearing to him because they evidence that someone's hand was upon that. And you are incredibly valuable. You were handmade by a loving father. Your value is not based on what you can accomplish. Your value is not based on how much you can learn. In fact, those places of imperfection and weakness are a beautiful gift Because the New Testament says that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. God's power was first on display in your very creation. And then his power continues to be on display when God meets you, when his presence meets you in the places where you are imperfect. In the places where you are weak. There is the wonder of God. You are valuable because the all powerful God fearfully and wonderfully created you so that your power might be displayed in your very existence and in your weakness. May your soul, may your soul know that very well. After that insert of praise, David returns to this picture again of the power of God in creating him. I want you to hear this in more modern language just so that you can hear it a little fresh. He says, you know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow. From conception to birth. I wonder when you hear that, do you rest in that? Do you, do you trust in that? Or does that raise up all kinds of questions for you, for God? About your body, um, about your mind. The all-powerful God made you really intentionally. He sculpted you from nothing into something. And he did so intentionally. Intentionally. Then, this verse, verse 16, I want to read this to you again. He says, In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. This was the verse in the passage that I struggled with the most, Um, mostly because I was thinking about a lot of you. I was thinking about a lot of people I know whose days seem to be extra hard, thinking about people who have days that seemed like too few days to me. And it got me wrestling with the Lord. But what did, who did I ask you to think about today? Me. I asked you to think about me. And when I think about, uh, when I allowed myself whether or not to, um, this passage about God knowing my days and writing all of them, if that was a comfort to me, I could sit in that a little bit differently. The thought of God numbering my days and that being far less than 100 years worth, uh, it's not terrifying for me. And you might feel differently about that, and that's okay. But for me, I really embrace that there is a future where the all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God meets me on the day where I breathe my last tear and I, and I get to be in his presence. That's a comfort to me. That's a draw to me. Hold that picture for just a minute. But I want to I show you a picture that was shared with me last week um, by Nancy Jorgensen. She said it looked, like, it looked like me. It's called the first day in heaven. And I've been lost in this image for a couple of days. See, God has written my days. God has written your days. And he knows which day when I wake up is the day that I come home. And that's beautiful to me. And I sit and I rest in that. So I want you to see this image of the first day in heaven. And I wonder if, um, if the image of the promise of that embrace is a resting place for you. You can leave that up for a couple minutes. I, th- I think we need a stronger imagination for heaven when we're struggling, especially when we're struggling with what seems to be the unfairness of short lifespans. We, ha- who, we who have the privilege of living in Gig Harbor, who have the privilege of vacationing in the San Juans, I think we have um, a hard time having an imagination for heaven because we've got a great bucket list that we could actually fulfill and see a lot of beauty in. But that, that's, y'all, that's a first world problem the majority of the world does not have a problem having a strong imagination for heaven. I think we have a lot to learn from our brothers and sisters in captivity who wrote songs like Swing Low. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. That song, is a, it's a welcome of heaven. It's a welcome of the end of your life. It's a come and get me. I'm ready. And I, I, I know that we grieve the loss of our children. We grieve the loss of our friends when they leave too soon. And of course we do. But I pray that we would believe about heaven in such a way that we would understand that our loss really is their gain, that this is what they go home to. Thank you. You can take that down. I just confess to you that um, I do rest easy for my own sake, but I am human, okay? So I am genuinely terrified at losing Larry or my son or my parents before I'm ready. So I know that um, a lot of us in the circumstances that we're in, when we read this psalm, that God knows our days and wrote them in a book, and he knows every one of them, that that can raise a lot of questions. So there's two things that I want to give you to hold on to. And the first is that image of heaven. I pray that you would ask God for a stronger imagination for heaven. And the second thing that I want to give you is an absolute promise from God that you will get an explanation For the sufferings of today. There's a final image that God has given us. He gave it to a man named John, and it's recorded in the the end of the Bible. And this book comes up again this book that all our days were written in. This book comes forward as a record of all of human history. Every one of your days is recorded in this book. Every one, every day of the entire human race is recorded in this book. And God gives us a vision promising us that there will be a day when that book comes out and where we get to understand why children are born with defects when God is present in all of his power in the womb. We will get to understand one day why it is that my friend's mom went home to be with Jesus when she was still very young. We will get an explanation for that. And I love this picture. I want to share it with you. It's in Revelation chapter five. When this book comes forward, John says he saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy? to open the scroll and to break its seals. He's saying, who's worthy to read human history and then interpret it and make sense of it? Who's worthy to do that? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll, to read human history and to make it make sense. Deep weeping. And one of the elders said to me, to John, weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the one we were singing to, the roaring lion who came out of the grave. That's Jesus. Jesus has conquered He has the victory over sin and death and our enemy. Jesus has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So that he can talk to you, the one he loves so much, and say, baby, I know that was hard. Let me explain it to you. Let me read you your history. He died for that. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. He went to his father for this scroll. And then all of heaven burst into song. And they sing, worthy are you. Worthy are you, Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Our God knows. He knows intimately, deeply, Yada, He knows that we need an answer. He knows we need an explanation. For the days of our lives. And so he's promised it. He knew that we need it. And so he came in the person of Jesus. To walk our lives in a a way that we can't. In a very holy and perfect way. So that he would be worthy. Worthy. After his death and resurrection. To read your history and my history and the history of the world. And make it make sense. That's a promise you can hold on to. Heaven's coming. It's real and it's more beautiful than you can imagine. And on that day, when you see the Father who loves you face to face, he will make sense of it all. So will you confess that Jesus is worthy to make sense of your life? Will he be sufficient for the questions you have? Will you make the confession, God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows this. My soul wants to know this. I'm trusting that my soul can know this very well. This is the invitation from the God who loves you. Let me pray. Jesus, I'm holding fast. I am holding fast to the future believing that that day in heaven is a, is a beautiful day when all the answers come together. When I get to be in your presence, embraced by you, understood by you. I know I can say that really strongly, Lord, but I wanna pray with the people here this morning that aren't able to say that with such conviction. And if that's you if you don't know that your heavenly father loves you you've not known that you are fearfully and wonderfully made you don't have the trust in God numbering your days I want to invite you to pray with me just like I did with the scripture I'll pray a phrase and I want to invite you to silently pray that in your own heart just pray Father I think you know me Father, I want to believe that you made me on purpose. I need a relationship with you. I need to be in your family. I want to be your son and your daughter. believe who you are. Please give me the answers to my questions and help me to follow you. It's as simple as that. God meets you. He hears you. He hears me. So continue to talk to him as you praise him for his mighty work.